Hi, welcome to the film room. Welcome. Um, this is going to be the first released, though second recorded, of a series of casts we're going to do. So the introduction on the second part is going to kind of overlap with this one. Um, this is our big 10-year anniversary cast, by which we don't mean, of course, the 10-year anniversary of this cast. We're just five years old. Yeah, we're, we're half that. We're half a decade. But it's a project that I thought would be fun to do, which is to look at the movies of 10 years ago and to just cover all of them. Because rather than doing a 10-year anniversary cast on The Dark Knight or WALL-E or movies that weren't, you know, we've, or Iron Man or any of those, let's just do it all at once. Let's just cover it all. And, you know, because here's the thing. You don't need another think piece on what did The Dark Knight mean. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we can add to that. But maybe some of these movies aren't going to get some focus. We're going to look at some... Uh, the way that this cast series is going to work is we're going to look at the first third today of the year. The second third we've already recorded, and it's some, there's some good stuff there. And then we're going to look at the last third of the year, and we're gonna just really going to look at the year as a whole. And why do I want to do this so much? As I said, part of it is so that we don't just clog you with 10-year anniversary casts. But another of it is... I think 2008 is a fascinating cultural flashpoint. Um, It is. That was uh, this talking about 10 year anniversaries. This Saturday, I will have been at my job for 10 years. Oh, nice. So I, you think about that. That's basically the 10 year anniversary of me being an adult. And I think there's a lot of that stuff. I think for a lot of people our age, 2008 was a flashpoint. It was a number of us graduated college that year. Yeah. A number of us, Whatever you can think of. Yeah, that was the year that I made, uh, like, I took my advanced course in, um, uh, film. I made a film that, to, to date, is probably the most technically involved film I've made. I'm still proud of it. I'd like to add music to it ten years later. But, anyway, yeah, that, that's the year my niece was born. I became an uncle that mm-hmm. year. Uh, that's the year I discovered Scott Pilgrim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, a lot of things happened. It was it was a very good year for me. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, we have to talk about culturally. Let's just all sigh in for a moment. Remember, this was the election of Barack Obama. Oh, yeah. That, that was a good thing. That was a good thing. Let me share, it was my, also ho- let me share my memory of that because it's tied in. It's very quick. Um, basically, what happened was uh, we were, like it was a late night in the in the editing room. Like it was between him and oh god, who was this? Who it was, was John McCain. It was John McCain. It was John McCain. Okay. That By the way, let's just let's just all for a moment stop and remember that there was a point where the election was between two pretty decent men. Yeah, and also, and also Sarah Palin. <laughs> yeah, but she doesn't count. Nah. She... Though, it, it, though we got Joe Biden out of it. We got Joe we Biden did. out of it. We did. That's true. Oh wait, can I just say real quick one last thought on that? How cool is it that uh, Barack and Joe are apparently still friends? Oh, God. They're, that, that's just awesome. They're that's just best, awesome. They're the best bromance in the White House. That's which, uh, Let me tell you, given that some vice presidents and vice presidents have literally talked about murdering each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, finish your, finish your story. Okay, so what happened was, like, I was kind of in the zone where, yeah, just, just the opponent being McCain just seems so innocent now, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, everything seems so innocent now in hindsight. Uh, so, 
basically, I was in the editing lab with a lot of other people, um, late night, you know, so I must rent for the long haul. And, uh, I just remember saying, okay, I'm not going to look at the election results. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to work on my film and just, just not worry about it until it's over. And so, okay, working along. And then way earlier than, uh, expected, mm-hmm. somebody bursts into the, into the lab, uh, and then says, Barack Obama won the election. And we're all like, what? <laughs> it it wasn't close. Let's let's not forget. It really wasn't actually close. No, no, he won. He, he actually both of his presidencies he won fast. Um, so so we we're, we're we're so now that we've got you in a warm mood, let's break your souls because I have looked at these four months of movies and let me tell y'all, strap yourselves in. It's a rough bleeping ride. Okay. It's a rough ride. We are looking at January through April of 2008. And this would normally be where some montage of music would kick in, but no. So we're going to kick off with the first theatrically released movie, and we're going to mo- mostly just do mainstream releases, but I will note a few indies. So we're going to kick off on January 4th with One Missed Call. And I'm going to start what should be our catchphrase for this cast. I didn't see it. Which one? One Missed Call. One Missed Call. I don't remember that at all. That's going to be our other catchphrase for the cast. I don't remember that at all. (laughs) Yes. Y'all, the nostalgia filter drains so much. And real quick, before we get into this, to those that are going to point out that this is a ripoff of 80s all over, we did it first. (laughs) <laughs> we, we we did it first. Um, there, we we're on record. We did the two thousand. We, we did the nineteen ninety seven cast back. Yes. I think about our first or second year. So we did it first. Um, so yeah, one missed call. Um, I'm going to point out what this movie represents. This was a an Asian horror movie remake that they did in America, and this was the tail end of that trend. This the biggest example that everyone knows are The Ring and The Grudge. Though there are other, there were some other successful ones. Dark Water was a big success, and it was horrible. It was bad. I'd, it's one of the, it's it's a movie that's so incompetent. John C. Riley is in it, and he's not the killer. He's not the villain. It's like he's in it, and he, but he doesn't add anything to the plot. He's just in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dark Water is awful. I do remember Dark Water. I I didn't see it. I didn't. It didn't interest me. It's like okay, no. <laughs> nope. So anyway, let's let's one missed call. It's the it's the tail end of the Japanese horror remake. The idea is you get a phone call and you die. It's another one of those movies. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So let's just jump. Let's just jump ahead. Uh, January eleventh. January eleventh. Gave us First Sunday with Tracy Morgan and uh, a few others. I want to say this was an Ice Cube movie. I'm not sure. If I'm wrong, I, I'm just lumping movies together. I did read that the guy that um, made it is a major figure on uh, the uh, black theater circuit. And that's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. It's, But again, I didn't see it. Um, you have the Veggie Tales, uh, the pirates that, who don't do anything. Oh, yeah. There's- You'll notice we didn't. Unless we didn't chew the Veggie Tales out during the uh, during our podcast on Christian films, no, Veggie Tales we're cool. Veggie Tales are pretty well loved, even even outside of a Christian context. They're like, funny. Yeah, I know. 
like I didn't person like I remember them growing up, but I didn't really watch them or you know I wasn't that interested in them. But I didn't hate them. Like I, You're innocent. I respected them. Like you know, yeah. Nothing wrong. Yeah. And then there's the movie that I think is just funny because of its budget. In the name of the king, a dungeon siege tale. What? $60 million budget. It grossed $4,775,656 in the U.S. Yikes. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dr. Bowl. Oh, Uwe Bowl. That's a Uwe Bowl special. Oh, God. So anyway, that's January 11th. Let's jump to the first date that I think people are going to remember. January 18th. We could do an entire cast on Uwe Boll. <laughs> we, yeah, but let's not. Let's he not, wouldn't, he he wouldn't deserve, deserve it, no. January 18th has a weird mix of films. There's the killer, there's the Teeth in the Vagina movie, Teeth. Ah, teeth. Yeah, teeth. That, that one got, like, really, I remember a lot of people talked about it. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people. That one has its, it has its fans. Um, Mad Money with... Uh, Diane Keaton and Katie Holmes. That one has its... Eh, it's a programmer. Um, 27 Dresses, which was actually a pretty big hit. And I'm going to take a moment here to say something. We as a culture owe Katherine Heigl an apology. Like, a real major apology for being so mean to her. For her being just honest about how she felt. You know, she's been chewed out for having thrown her co-workers under the bus. no. Let's 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 respect that she felt very mistreated by Hollywood and she has every right to do so. Um, I don't think she I as much as I am reevaluating knocked up, I don't think it's as bad as she's made it out to be. But I think we all owe her a bit of an apology and eh, maybe her career should have gone a bit longer. I'm going to throw that out there. But but yeah, I, I agree. I think she deserved a little bit better. I think she's a, a better actress than she's been given credit for. So I'm going to say that. I'm going to call some misogyny out. Speaking of misogynists, mm-hmm. Woody Allen. Oh, Jesus. What did he do yes. that year? We have to talk about Cassandra's Dream. His Now, here's, here's the thing. I've mentioned this movie. I now know not a single person listening to this cast has seen it. I um, don't remember him making a movie of that title. So that's how nope. much of the pressure it left on me. Now, let's just focus on how bad this movie must be. Here's the cast. Ewan McGregor, Colin Farrell, Haley Atwell, and um, Sally Hawkins. Oh, boy. Oh, Sally Hawkins. Well, now she, this, she blew up. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about... We're, when we do the third cast, we're going to talk about the movie that changed her career. I, I want to be clear on this. And I also want to note, Alan did not forget Hawkins. He remembered her. Um, and she got an Oscar nomination for Blue Jasmine. So something good did come out of this. And as I said, teaser for the third cast, we are going to be getting to the movie that explains why you know her name. Mm-hmm. And I cannot wait because I love, 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 love that movie. I'm really excited to talk, to talk about that one. But anyway, it's January 18th, so you know what movie we have to address. Cloverfield. Cloverfield. I, oh, I, yeah, that, that one looms large in my memory. I remember that one. Because we've already said so much on it, I don't want to dwell too long on it. 
can we just agree that it might be the best 75 minute movie of all time yeah and not, it, live action i mean not animated yeah yeah because most most uh uh like dc dc and marvel uh animated mo- well most directed video anime movies are M- most animated long. movies for many years were about that long yeah, until like Pixar and it, we've all seen this movie. I want to I, I want to put one question out there, which is why did Matt Reeves not get his get slammed for using 9/11 imagery the way that Zack Snyder got absolutely kicked to the curb for it for, did, for Man of Steel? When did like where was that Man of Steel? I don't remember. People have that's what people hate about the finale oh. is they feel like it's too 9/11. Oh shit! Which I don't know that I agree or disagree with that. I think there is a touch of 9/11 to it, but in a way that's fair. R- Snyder got kicked the curb for it, and I don't think and Reeves didn't get a bit of that. And I think that's weird because Reeves directly used that imagery. And I want to be clear: I am not criticizing either director for that. I'm curious as to why. That is. That's the thing. And, and, I, and I wonder if it's because Reeves was pretty direct with it. I wonder if that's why. I wonder if because Reeves was... Because keep in mind, where does Cloverfield take place? It takes place in New York. Mm-hmm. So it's very 9-11 imagery soaked. And I just think that's interesting that he was able to pull that off. And I think, and I think that... And I, and I think because it is so directly an allegory for that experience. I think that's how he got away with it is because it's direct. It's because it's just like, you know what it is. And I don't think I realized this until you brought it up. Um, like God, you know, Godzilla itself, uh, was kind of a direct response to, you know, us dropping bombs on them, like the nuclear bombs, mm-hmm. like in the radiation and everything that followed after. Uh, so this is kind of our version of that, like the American version, yeah. of that, like the cut, and it's a kaiju. So I mean, it's, it's I think it's exactly that. Yeah, it's I think it's like, I, like I know that they talked about their, uh, the, everybody making it was like we want to do an American Godzilla. Well, you pulled it off, but you pulled it off in the right way. I, I could go for hours upon hours on Cloverfield. I could ironically talk about it for double as long as the movie is. Right. I I want to make one last point about the movie, though, before we move on from it. And again, I'm not spending too long on it because we've all seen it. We all know it's genius. Oh, yeah. The point that I want to make is I firmly believe Cloverfield is what it is. Um, You know, it, it is what it is. What I'm trying to say is bear with my word garbage here. You know, a common complaint about this movie is that if is that the main characters are obnoxious and agonizing to watch. And I don't agree at all. I don't agree at all. Because when I was watching it last time, it occurred to me, if they had just stayed at this party, and it's just the camera capturing this party, you might have gotten a really great comedy drama out of it. You might have gotten something really interesting out of it. Yeah, if it was, you, if it was just them. Because you like these people. And another thing. Yes, the characters make stupid decisions. They're drunk. Yes. Yes, they are. They are. And let's face it, it's a PG-13 movie. They're probably high off their asses, too. Let's not kid ourselves. They're rich, young professionals. 
there's probably more there's probably more weed in that room than a pot dispensary. Let's not kid ourselves. Anyway, I love Cloverfield. I hope we all do. Cloverfield's is genius. But we gotta keep moving on. January twenty third brings us an important documentary, U two three D. What is it? U two three D. Oh yeah, that's right. That was a big deal. That was kind of the okay. So to set the scene for like where three D was at this stage of the game, this was the year before Avatar. So really, kind of the year before it blew up in the live action realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think when did Journey to the Center of the Earth come out? Because I think that was that was in that was in uh, July of okay. this year. Okay, so yeah, so this would have been like before people kind of really started. It was all it was mostly an animation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if if it was in the live action realm at all, I remember. Like, it was, like, in just the big action sequences in movies, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, this, like, this was the breaking, this was the breaking point. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Beowulf had been a few months earlier, um, and then um, Beowulf had been a few months earlier. That was a big one. Nightmare Before Christmas 3D re-release had been before, saw, and you did... I saw Beowulf. That wasn't bad in the 3D sense. No, it wasn't bad in the 3D sense. Um Side note, we're going to eventually do a last quarter of uh, 2007 cast. There's too many movies there that I want to discuss, so just heads up. But it went bad um, in that sense. So this was a big moment. This was a moment that was a test case for 3D, and it, by all accounts, worked great. I've heard, you know, I didn't see it um, because I was kind of cheap, but I probably would have enjoyed it. I mean, I like you too. I I would have enjoyed it. Um, But we got to keep going. Because we have a, again, we got a lot of movies to cover. The first movie that we're going to cover on January 25th is called How She Move. I have no memory of this movie existing. It apparently was a big enough release to get a $17 million budget. It grossed $7 million, which is more than some films that we're going to cover. I don't remember this movie existing. I don't. I just, I don't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. It rings no bells for me. There you go. Uh, apparently it's a dance type movie. I, I, I don't, I just no memories. Um, however, I do remember meet the Spartans. Uh, uh, that was 10 that years was, ago. God. Yep. Yep. Let's not forget. Salterberg did two movies in, uh, 2008. We covered one of them. We covered one of them in too much detail. Let me put it this, let me put it this way. Them doing two movies in the same year is not exactly a feat on par with say Steven Spielberg or Steven Soderbergh. No, no, just not. Um, I also want to point out one of the jokes they make in this movie is making fun of the leave Britney alone video. Yeah. Which thus proves they do not know the first rule of parody, which is do not make fun of someone who is funnier than you are. (laughs) For those that do not understand it, Mm -hmm. the leave Britney alone video was a joke. Yeah. Just, just so that we're all aware that viral video that you all were laughing at all those years ago was a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Crocker, who is um, um, a, a gay comedian, um, is a he's a funny guy. I have seen some of his other stuff. First of all, he has a tremendous sense of humor about that video. Oh yeah. And secondly, and secondly, he's a really funny guy. Um, he he's a fascinating interesting guy he is so much more interesting than just 
the viral video. And I hate to break it to you, he's not a Tommy Wiseau figure. He's not one of those actual weirdos who got captured. He's a weird guy, but he ain't that kind of weird. So, well, that's the that's the thing about memes. Just side note, um, is that most of the time, like when the things that people make memes, those people are like the intent of the pictures is actually the intent of the meme. It's most to... like it's the goosebumps picture. Yeah, exactly. Like she, it's making fun of that. Yeah, that's like that thing that you know that quote that gets the attached to her you know that's kind of exactly what she was going for that was the joke yeah um so it's... that's a mark of how much seltzerberg don't understand comedy right the longer the further that we get from best night ever the more that i want to know what the hell happened there yeah because i really did kind of like that movie and i really think what it came down to was they just trusted their actresses and that was a smart decision Again, that's the thing that baffles me about them is they get such great performances out of actresses. You would expect these guys to just be the embodiment of not understanding women, but they inherently know how to use women and how mm-hmm. to get great comic work out of them. I don't get it. Um, however, in this movie, they put all their attention on Carmen Electra. So just, just yeah. Well, but anyway, yeah. moving along, we come to a movie that I warned you about um, before we cast it. Let's mm-hmm. have fun doing the math on this series. Uh-huh. The first movie was called First Blood. Oh, yeah. The second movie was called Rambo. First Blood Part 2. The third movie was, of course, called Rambo 3. Of course. The fourth movie is Rambo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Sylvester Stallone and franchises are weird, okay? Don't forget, this is the guy that uh, did Rocky Balboa in 2006 as a way of closing up shop with that character. Yeah. I Let me tell you a story about Rocky Balboa. Uh, just a quick one. Okay, so my mm-hmm. dad is a minister. Like, he practiced for about 21 years. Like, he's not doing it now. No. Uh, he has another job now. Um, but, okay, so there, there is tell of the way, one of the ways they advertised that movie was to bring it around to churches and, like, uh, package it as, like, a sermon using, like, movie clips. That's weird. That's really strange and kind of feels pretty unethical, actually. And so, I hate that because that's an awesome movie. Yeah, I never. That's a wonderful that. movie. It's like, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I didn't see Rambo. I I haven't seen any of the Rambo movies. So, I might see the first one at some point. Just, but that's but what. Sorry, that's what made me laugh about when he released Rambo. It's like, hmm, wonder if he did the same thing. No, I doubt it. <laughs> uh, given that that movie is notoriously one of the most violent and disgusting movies. Um, we do have Seed on this list, another Uwe Boll movie. I, I really don't want to list talk about that. Again, I'd be far more interested in telling you, I'd be far more likely to watch Rainbow because I respect Stallone and I think he's a tremendous artist. Yeah. Um, but I, I didn't see it. I didn't have any interest. I didn't have any interest then. I don't have any interest now. Um, however, we do have to talk briefly about Untraceable, a.k.a. the worst positive review Roger Ebert ever gave a movie. Oh, boy. 
for all the crap that that man has uh, given good movies, it is on his conscience that he gave a positive review to a movie about a website where the more people click on it, the uh, oh, uh, faster people die. I remember that. And by the way, this trashy premise was sold to Housewives as uh, a Law and Order type thriller. Next, Yikes. I don't, I don't want to list, I don't want to spend any more time on this movie. Next, disgusting. Duh, next, all right, and we have now we get into February. So January was its usual horribleness, with the exception of the certified classic. February first brings us a lot of people I don't like. So I'm gonna we're gonna touch on the eye briefly. It's another Japanese horror movie that got remade, and we're we're probably never gonna have another chance to talk about Jessica Alba on this cast, are we? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I'm, then I'm just gonna take this moment to say it. Hollywood, why? Why did you ever make her a thing? I'm at a loss as to why she was ever a star. I struggle to think of someone who less belonged a movie star. I get the impression that she is a perfectly lovely, genial, nice woman. She's probably quite sweet. I'll bet her friends like her. She's a devoted mother, and I think that's awesome. I'm not going to give her crap in that area. She is also a smart investor. You know that uh, The Honest Company? What's that? The Honest Company, which they're into everything. Okay. Baby Wives, um, that's their Apple name? Juices, The Honest Company. Oh, yes. Honest, oh, like Honest Tea, right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah. <laughs> you would not believe how... She is one of the founders of it. You would not believe how rich part of the reason that she's acted so much less in recent years. Like you'll notice you haven't seen her do the direct video movies that a lot of actors do. No, here's why she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to work again in her life. She is so rich off of this company. So, yeah, but she's not an actress. I have always found her to have one note, and that is blandly pleasant. Hmm. And it's one of those things, it's like, she's not much of an actress, she's no great beauty, she's generic. And again, I'm not trying to be mean to her, I get the impression she's a lovely human being. She is not an actress. Um, also not an actress, Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Sh- uh. let's, let's talk briefly about the uh, Hannah Montana, uh, Miley Cyrus Best of Both Worlds concert tour 3D movie. Okay, that was the three. I was going to say, wasn't the movie a little before that? The, like, the movie movie? No, the movie movie was uh, actually the next year. Oh, the next wow, year. okay. Yeah. By the way, the movie movie came out the same day as Observe and Report. <laughs> I remember that because I saw Observe and Report that, that day. I, uh, I want us to talk about Observe and Report at some point. I would... I believe so. I've only seen it once. I'd be willing to see it again. I've seen it twice, and I saw it twice theatrically. Woo. I think Seth. I think Seth Rogen should have gotten an entirely different career out of that movie. Yeah, the only reason, uh, like we'll talk about it more in depth later, but the only, I think the only reason that uh, that didn't do better. Is because Paul Blart Mall Cop came out around the same time, mm-hmm. and people confused it, and people thought this was a comedy. This is not. It's not. It's, not it's a Taxi comedy. Driver. It's ta- It's a. It's a day glow Taxi Driver is what it is. It is like that's the perfect description of it. 
And I'm saying more about that than I have to say about Hannah Montana, all this horse, because I don't care. I didn't see, uh, obviously I didn't see this. You, you know, I didn't see this. None of y'all did either. A lot of concert films came out around that time. Yeah. I think that's because they were really testing what 3d could do. And a concert film was a good way to test it. That's true. Um, also coming out this year over her dead body, which I'm just going to say 2008. What did you do to like bell to hurt her so much? Because she was in this and what happens in Vegas. Oh, and she is a tremendous talent. And has gone on to become a writer and director uh, in her own right, an acclaimed one at that. A smart woman. Oh, oh, just come on, just boo, just boo. Uh, this, by the way, was this is really kind of best thought of as the last movie before Hollywood figured out what to do with Paul Rudd as a leading man. Which, the fact that Hollywood was so baffled by him is confusing to me. How did you not know how to use the incredibly handsome and unbelievably funny guy? He's local to Kansas City. Oh, cool. This should have been, his career should have been a constant layup for Hollywood. Because you have a man who screams movie star with everything about his presence. Again, ridiculously pretty, charming as hell, hell of an actor, and you know, can kill a punchline with the best of them. Yeah. One, what one, the hell, Hollywood? One thing, one note about this year is that uh, he he's one of the actors that's friends with Tim and Eric. Um, and yeah. like he he was on he was a uh, constantly a guest star on their show. He did he did some funny bits on there. But what's funny uh, is that this year. Ant-Man and the Wasp came out, and guess who was in it? Tim Heidegger. Yep. Yes, he was. I was yeah, he was. That I was, was very great. happy to see him, and also, like, just, what? I did not expect that. <laughs> well, I think that's what's cool is, I think that might have been what finally helped Rudd was Hollywood embraced that style of comedy, and so suddenly when all the guys that he knows that he's, you know, works with well, like Judd Apatow and... Uh, Michael, you know, uh, the guys that did Wet Hot American Summer had uh, role models at the end of this year, which we'll get to. And, of course, he was in that. Um, you know, it benefited him. And I think he finally found. But again, this should not have been hard. Um, so anyway, let's let, let's jump on to February 8th, which brings us Fool's Gold with uh, Kate Hudson and Matthew McConaughey, a.k.a. the other movie they did together. This is not as well-liked as uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and I think I know why. This movie had a budget of $72 million for a romantic comedy. What the hell, Hollywood? It's not the only bad budget that we've got here, because I want to ask, I know it's gone on to be a beloved film, but really was $15 million what you needed to spend on In Bruges? You knew you weren't getting that money back, I hope. Oh yeah, In Bruges came out that year too. Yeah. Martin McDonough makes his uh, debut, but one of the really baffling ones was they gave a wide release to a Vince Vaughn uh, comedy documentary, Vince Vaughn's Wild West Comedy Show. It it made six hundred it made six hundred three thousand dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oof. But yeah, I barely remember that one even mm-hmm. existing. 
We also have a Martin Lawrence vehicle. Welcome home, Roscoe Jenkins. Martin Lawrence never should have been a leading man in comedies. I'm just going to say it. I think he was well used in Bad Boys, where just the natural abrasiveness that he has came through, and he could just be awful in those movies. And I kind of think Will Smith enjoyed making those movies so that he could let his inner asshole out. Note, I do hate Bad Boys too, But I respect it. Yeah, I, ju- I just know that uh, I should see it someday just because of its ties to Hot Fuzz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... Well, Hot Fuzz is still just Hot Fuzz, so... Oh, yeah. Anyway, I do also want to really quickly note on February 8th another movie that came out, The Hottie and the Naughty. The, uh, one of the, infam- the infamous Paris Hilton vehicle that got a lot of hate and probably didn't deserve any of it. It was just another Pygmalion story where a quote-unquote ugly girl, who is obviously played by a pretty girl in makeup, uh, you know, it's one of those movies, and she plays the rich, pretty girl that the main character is trying to win the heart of, but oh, he realized, blah, 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 blah. This movie got a lot of hatred, but it made 30000 It didn't even make $30,000 at the box office, and yet it became infamous. Y'all... This is why the Razzies suck, because they fell all over themselves to trash it. No. So I heard a thing like a while ago that uh, said that anybody who knows Paris Hilton personally knows that she is not the person that... Uh, oh, no, she's, an, she's a performer. Yeah, she, and, she, and she's actually very smart. Yeah, well, she's a, she's a marketing genius. I, I, I don't think we give her enough credit. And the thing is, I think she fed into that with her role choices. I think she... She knew people hated her, so she chose movies that played that up. Hmm. She she embraced it, and she yeah, yeah. And she's a she's a fascinating figure. Um, by all accounts, kind of a rotten human being to some degree. Yeah, I've heard some pretty nasty stories about her, mm. but she is intelligent. And I respect that. Yeah, like when they um filmed um God, what's the th- What's the third film that Sofia Coppola did? The with uh, um, Marie Antoinette. Emma, no, with Emma Watts. That's the second one. Oh, uh, the Bling Ring. The Bling Ring. That's right. And uh, no, Marie Antoinette was the third one. Uh, that was the third uh, one. Bling Ring was the fifth one. Oh, I missed something in there. But anyway, um, um yeah, yeah, there's the, a couple of movies. Yeah, uh, the Bling Ring. Like when they like, do the account of, like, them breaking into Paris Hilton's house. That's actually her house that they're filming yeah. in. Yeah. Um, I want to note real quick, just shooting through February, um, on February 12th, uh, Amy Heckerling's um, I Could Never Be Your Woman went direct to video. And I've heard that was kind of a mistake. I've heard that was a real big loss. Um, a pretty well-liked film uh, starring Michelle Pfeiffer and, hey, Paul Rudd, back at that. Um, <laughs> reteaming that? with Heckerling, of course, after Clueless. Um, side note, here's how you know what's wrong with Hollywood. Pfeiffer played uh, his love interest in that movie, and she plays the mother of his love interest in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Hmm. Hollywood, we see you. Hmm. But we got to jump forward to February 14th, and boy, this is a big day, so I'm just going to shoot through these fast. The lovely and charm- charming definitely maybe starring uh, Ryan Reynolds hit this day. Um, don't want to dwell too long on it, but that's a nice little gem. Um, I think that's probably the closest that Reynolds has gotten to getting his real self on screen. 
I don't think he's the arrogant asshole that he plays in his movies. And I think proof of that is how much he threw himself into trying to get Deadpool 2 made. And real proof of that is if you ever hear him talking about his family. I think that's really who he is. I think he really is that sweet, devout family man. I will say this, as much as I mock the fact that he and Blake Lively had no chemistry at all in Green Lantern, they seem like such a lovely, happy couple. So I can't mock them. So there, I, I, I got to be nice about something. Let's talk about Jumper. Jumper. You can hear the excitement in my voice at the fact we get to do this. Honest to God, without Jumper, I might not have wanted to do this cast. And I did not see it. But I want to talk about what a debacle it was. <laughs> I've not heard this. Okay. Do you remember what Jumper was? I remember it coming out. Uh, what is okay? Is it about like they have like teleportation powers? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. All right. Mm-hmm. Boy, that was a debacle. That was mm. a debacle, debacle, debacle. Um, let's just let's just get this dealt with. Twentieth Century Fox thought this was going to be their next big franchise. They put so much money into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it cost. Oh, it was going to be a franchise. It was going to be a franchise. It cost $82.5 million, and that's before marketing. It made $80 million back. Keep in mind, a movie has to do two times its budget to be considered profitable. Well, that didn't happen, and it was widely disliked. Um, this is the movie that killed it for Hayden Christensen. There wasn't going to be any coming back. And I hate that because I feel like there is a part that he is good at that he rarely got to play. He is spectacular at assholes. He is incredible at assholes. And if Hollywood would just have given him more asshole parts, he could have been great. He's really good at those. Think about Revenge of the Sith. When he gets to finally drop the pretense and just be shithead Anakin, just be terrible, awful, self-absorbed, ego-driven Anakin Skywalker, how much better is he? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm serious, because I think he's legitimately great at the end of that movie. Yeah, I yeah, no, I agree. And he's incredible in Shattered Glass. And I wondered what happened to him. It's this movie. This killed it for him. This put his career on ice. I mean, there just there was no coming back after this. Um, but here's the thing: that gets a lot of hype. Believe believe it or not, there was a worse flop this day. Yeah. Let's talk about the Spiderwick Chronicles just oh, as quickly as we can, because I don't think anybody even wants to remember this movie. Wasn't that also supposed to be a franchise? Yes, it was. Oh, 92, $92.5 million, and they got they didn't even get $72 back. Yeah, you, you're done. You're done for there. Yeah, this was not a good time to be launching franchises. Um, not one I saw, obviously, because, come on, we're eventually going to get to movies I've seen. Um Although I, though I did see Definitely Maybe, and I really did quite like that one. Step Up to the Streets also came out this day, and it did fine. Next. Um, February 15th brought us Diary of the Dead, one of George A. Romero's last two zombie movies, and those were sad. So anyway, we've gone through all this. Let's get to, let's get to a movie that I've not seen, but which I know I need to see. February 22nd. Let's jump forward to Be Kind, Rewind. Yeah, I'm going to let you... You've seen this one, right? I I own it. Yes, yes. I'm going to let you make the pitch. You make the pitch. 
So basically, like, this is one that is interesting. Like, it's it's Michelle Gondry, like, his mm, third movie, I believe? Yeah. Because there was... Uh, no, it's, it was his... Uh... It was his fourth, because there was the science of sleep between it yes. and uh, Eternal Sunshine. Eternal Sunshine and um, Eternal Sunshine, Science of Sleep. What was the other one then? Um, the other one was Human Nature, which is not bad, not good. Not bad, not good. How about that? Charlie Kaufman definitely not figuring himself out. It was one of his first scripts. Okay, yeah, and we yeah we all know how good Charlie Kaufman became. Mm, uh, yeah, but anyway, yeah, Michelle Gond- Michelle Gondry has a new series coming out with Jim Carrey yeah. actually. Um, yeah, too bad I really don't want to watch anything Jim Carrey does anymore. But yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. But anyway, so okay, be kind, rewind. Basically, like it's the trailer. This is a case of I think. Like the, it's not that the trailers were mis like misrepresented. It. It's just that it kind of uh, played up. It wasn't the, sold. It yeah, wasn't sold right. It wasn't sold right. It wasn't sold as the movie it was. Like the, the comedy of it was played up because uh, it's it like it's about more than yeah. Um, like the tone is different than the trailers. But yeah, mm-hmm. it has Jack Black and most deaf. Um, mm-hmm. Two guys I love. And oh yeah, and basically I will always. I just want to say I'll always be happy when a Jack Black movie comes up. Yeah. Because I'm just always happy to see that guy in something. I, oh, I just Tenacious D is getting another movie in October. Good. I just again I'm just always happy. the the house with the clock in its walls looks amazing, and oh. I can't believe I'm saying that about an Eli Roth movie, but he's, it looks great. I know he's pulling triple duty this fall because he has that. He has. I'm pretty sure he's in the the second Goosebumps film as well. I think he'll just be doing voice. I think he'll just be doing the voice of Slappy. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. So he's not playing Arl Stein. No, no. Okay. He's not back. That's too bad. Well, I'm looking forward to that because I really liked the first one. It was a nice yeah. horror movie yeah. for kids that was also anyway, a comedy. Getting to this mo- getting but, to this movie. But anyway, this movie. Okay, so what, what the basic premise is and what... Uh, Okay, what the trailer sold it as was only like the maybe the first half of the film, mm-hmm. um, and what it is is they work in a video store. Like it's already kind of it's already kind of dated at that time because mm-hmm. most of the uh, video stores were still open, but most of the stores open and moved on to DVDs. Well, this this mm-hmm. store they work in are still on VHS. Um, so, what happened was, um, Jack Black, like, they, they try to, they break into, like, a power plant for some reason, like, to get scrap or something for a project. Jack Black accidentally electrocutes himself and, like, get, like, it's kind of a wacky, like, yeah. <laughs> element to that. He erases the tapes, I know that yeah, much. Yeah, he erases the tapes, and so they have to... Uh, in order to keep renting, they have to record over them with, like, their own versions of it, which they call suited. So it's like these these cheap little constructed versions of these, like... Which movies. that became a big thing, let's be it clear. It did. They, people still do that. Um, like, that started a trend, which is awesome. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it's very Michelle Gondry-like. And the rest of the movie is actually, like, they get a cease and desist from... Like a bunch of movie companies and uh, from lawyers, 
And, uh, which, uh, which, honestly, that part does kind of bug me, because that wouldn't hold up. Because it's, it can be classified under parody. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it could very much be classified under parody. But, anyway, um, (laughs) so, uh, but it does have my, that scene does contain my favorite line, which is, uh, uh, well, you see, they they have the FBI worrying at the beginning of the thing. It's like, yeah, but we erased those. <laughs> uh, but nice. anyway. I need to see this movie. I want to be clear. I just, the thing I want to be clear is when I say that I haven't seen a movie like this, it's just that it fell between the cracks. Like in this case, it was playing in a town where I didn't live at the time. And it wasn't always as easy to get out there. So, and by the time that I could have gone to see it, it was out of theaters. So, yeah. But the, yeah, the rest the rest of the movie is like a really sweet story about them like doing, making a movie themselves about like the biography of this jazz player, uh, like this jazz piano player that uh, grew up in their town. Uh, so it's like all about this community getting together for you know a cause like to try to save the video store and um, and uh, like help support this film and. It's it's a really sweet movie. It's great. Yeah, yeah, definitely a movie that has had much bigger legs than its initial release. Again, I'd wager that most of you have forgotten the Spiderwick Chronicles. But if I said be kind, rewind, you'd immediately jump to it, and know exactly what it is. I think the same can be said of Charlie Bartlett, uh, a movie that not a big hit in theaters, but I, I I hear it come up every so often. I do hear it come up. Uh, this was. Uh, the late Anton Yelchin. This was one of his really strong films that you could note. And uh, Robert Downey Jr. literally just before Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's yeah. crazy. And uh, Kat Dennings, who, God, I'm just, again, I'm going to be teasing the third cast. We're going to be getting to Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. Oh, yeah. I yes. have words. I Michael have Sarah. such, yeah, I have so many words about that movie. To the point that I may even be writing a full 10 years later piece on it because I that's that's one that needs a lifting up. I'm going to put it that way. Hmm. I, have, I it, still haven't seen it. I, I It is to. lovely. It is a lovely, beautiful little movie. But let's get let's go through our two of our other movies because I can remember these. Uh, we're going to go to the one that I did see. I didn't see Be Kind Rewind. But I did see Vantage Point. Let's no, just. Is this I don't a, want to spend. Is this a remake of? Uh, oh no, I'm thinking of a completely different movie. I'm thinking of Vanishing Point. Okay. Yeah, Vanishing Point, which is you know cool and awesome. Vantage Point is the whole gimmick is an event happens where the president seems to get shot, and then it doubles back and reveals all these secrets about it. Like dun dun dun, the president wasn't actually the one who was shot. They used a body double, and then. You know, it just gets stupider from there. I This is one of those movies. A, the friend of mine that made me go see uh, What Happens in Vegas made me see this one. And he made me see another film that we're going to get to. I I don't want to spend any more time on this one. Than, beyond noting that Pete Travis, who directed this, would next direct Dread, supposedly. Uh. And let's, let's be clear. Pete Travis may have been the guy on set directing dread he did not control the final edit he didn't he was apparently not even in the editing room by all accounts all creative control on that movie went to alex garland 
Um, and that's been resourced by many people. It was known at the time even. I'm going to put it to people this way. Do you believe that Dread is a product of the guy that gave us Vantage Point? Or do you believe it's the product of the guy that gave us 28 Days Later as a writer, Ex Machina, and Annihilation? Come on. Who do you think really ran that movie? I don't think it's even a question. Obviously, it's Garland. Larry Cable Guy had a movie with wit- with witless protection. Well, that's well, that's also to create a, like a kind of a negative example. Like uh, I I just watched the Disaster Artist recently, and they they asked in the commentary they asked Tommy directly. It's like, so what's the, what was the deal with uh, like S- Sandy Schlar like claims that he directed part of you know. But, you know, of course, we know that, you know, when the director is in the film, somebody yells cut and blah, blah, that doesn't make them the director. <laughs> uh, Joel Edgerton did that with um, The Gift. Uh, his brother Nash directed his scenes, and he's in it a lot. Um, that's just a cool – but that, but here's the thing. That's a cool example, and unlike the two films – well, actually, Dread's a, God damn, Dread's a great movie, but – you know, mm-hmm. yeah, now, uh, Dread's amazing. Oh God. I just want to talk. You know what? When we, when we do a full cast on Dread, we have to have a man on. Um, but anyway, I, vantage point. I do also want to point out, this is a movie by the way, where the plot twist is that Matthew Fox is in on the terrorist plot. All I can say to Fox is dude, just, 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 just hurry on to speed racer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, Witless Protection starring Larry the Cable Guy came out on uh, that day. I don't want to say anything about it because obviously I didn't see it. And it stars one of my absolute enemies on the face of this planet, Jenny McCarthy. Boo! 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 Oh, oh. okay. You are I ruining just, people's lives. I just connected that. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you are ruining people's lives. I remember, I remember going up to Arkansas, like, uh, seeing you for the second time ever, 2011, and I remember your rant about Jenny McCarthy. Yeah, I, I am, Oof. for those that do not know, she is public enemy number one in the autism community. Yes. We do not like her one bit. She is, um, res- she is 100% responsible for the vaccines cause autism lie. It's a lie. So let's, so let's, so let's get some violent whiplash here, shall we? Yeah. Um... February 26th gave us Justice League The New Frontier, a direct-to-video movie, but I want to stop and give just a couple of moments on it to say how much I utterly love this movie. That was the first of the DC direct-to-video movies that I saw because I didn't see Superman Doomsday until just actually 2016. Um, And I watched it with some friends, and I was spellbound. So much so that I could not wait to read to read the comic, and I don't think the comic is quite as good. Honestly, that's how good of a movie I think it is. I think the comic is genius, but I think the movie is that much better because the movie condenses it down to what it does best. I will also say this movie is why anybody who tells me that Martian Manhunter can't support a movie, you're wrong, and this movie is proof because he does support a movie here. Martian Manhunter is pretty much the film. Martian Manhunter and Green Lantern are pretty much the film's main characters. And they're really powerfully done here. This is, have you seen New Frontier? I haven't. It is 
first of all, it's one of the most gorgeous direct-to-video movies I've ever seen. It is visually stunning. And it's for those of you, by the way, that have complained that we never got Lucy Lawless as Wonder Woman, here you go. There you go. This is your one time to get to experience that. She does voice Wonder Woman in it. Nice. And yes, and yes, it's awesome. Um, this movie is this is another movie. It's only seventy five minutes long. I like the 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 it's it seems to me that especially in the DC universe, people who would be perfect for a role in live action, but you know, we but we don't get because we can't have nice things. Uh, we get nice things in the animated universe. We got Nathan Fillion as Hal Jordan. Yes, we did several times, and he's been he is great in it. There's a clip from Death of Superman that's been going around. We got we that got Nicholas Cage as Superman. Yes, we did. We got uh, Matt Bomer as Superman, who a lot of people really wanted. He's there's we got a lot of stuff that I like. Um, I. If you haven't seen The New Frontier, it's on Hulu. It's gorgeous. I highly recommend you put it on the biggest TV you can and just soak it up. It's a great movie. It, it's the first comic book movie of this year, and the tone was set. Uh, February 20... I don't get to say this one very often. On February 29th, we get to look at a couple of... Uh, we get to, we got a couple of movies to cover. Just really quick. You've got The Other Boleyn Girl with Natalie Portman and Scarlett Johansson. Costume drama. I didn't see it. Of course, I didn't see it. You've also got Semi-Pro. Semi-Pro was pretty much the death of Will Ferrell's I can do this idiot sports movie thing and y'all will all just show up. Nasty flop. Nasty flop for him. And it lost about $20 million. So, yikes. Um, So let's jump into March. Let's jump into March, shall we? March 7th brings us a lot of movies. So I'm going to have to really sh- go through these quickly. Let's see. You've got The Bank Job uh, with Jason Statham. One of his better liked movies. St- Stephen Chow's CJ7 started its American run. Stephen Didn't do Chow. so hot over here. Stephen Chow. Mm-hmm. We've covered one of his movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't... I don't... Uh, I guess I don't recall why because I... Um... My mind jumps like straight from Kung Fu Hustle to The Mermaid, which I still haven't seen. I need to see. Yeah, that's great. Uh, but I guess I wasn't aware he did things in between. This one's really well liked. I I, I, I don't know why. I, if it played Little Rock at all, I don't know. It wasn't in theaters for very long. You also had another Martin Lawrence movie, College Road Trip. Uh, seriously, Hollywood. I just I don't get why you all thought this guy was your safe bankable one the um i didn't see this one and i probably should double back to see it miss pettigrew lives for a day with francis mcdormand and amy adams i should probably see that because i love them they're both great and the one that was the the, that once again we got a huge flop this day Ten Thousand bc yeah roland emmerich i find myself both loving his movies and hating them. But the thing is when he's not doing a disaster movie, he's, he's helpless. Let's just call it what it is when he's not blowing stuff up. He's helpless and you can't blow stuff up in a a movie like this. I feel like this movie also should have been a warning to Disney that, Hey, 
when you do John Carter, it's not going to do so well because this kind of movie just doesn't sell. And that's, and that's even with John Carter actually being really good. But this kind of, this kind of dumb hunks in loincloths movie, it doesn't sell. Sorry, it just doesn't. So anyway, I didn't see it. I know you didn't see it either. Let's move on. Jumping on to March 14th, and we have some weird movies and one movie I did see. First of all, you've got Doomsday from Neil Marshall, which uh, a post-apocalyptic movie. People seem to like it well enough. Um, Marshall will be doing the Hellboy reboot. Looking forward to that. Uh, Funny Games from uh, Michael Haneke, his one American movie he's done so far. And it was a remake of one of his old movies to the point that it was a shot-for-shot remake, literally. So that's right. He pulled a Hitchcock on himself. Shot for shot, frame for frame. Yeah, Lola's shaking her head like that was a stupid idea. (laughs) Smart girl. And apparently just an unbearably arrogant film. Um, You had Never Back Down, which not a movie that I've heard anybody say anything nice about, but I just like saying the title, Never Back Down. Yeah, that's just... But but let's talk about Horton Here's a Who. Ah, uh, yeah, which is a movie hey. I own for, because a friend gave it to me, but I still haven't seen it. I'm going to tell you to throw it on. I'm going to tell you to throw it on. I think this is the one time Dr. Seuss was gotten right on the big screen. I think this is the one movie that understood Dr. Seuss, and that makes me so happy to say it. This is the one movie that has just the wonderfully weird wit and energy, and it's bright, it's colorful, it's beautiful. I mean, and the thing is, it does kind of – this is the kind of movie that makes me think that people who say that Dr. Seuss can't be done right on the big screen are kind of a little over-infatuated with his work, if that makes sense. Yeah. He's he's not – he wasn't a god. First of all, he was a terrible human being. I just want to point that out. Yeah, I've seen some of the more uh, racist stuff. Uh, Not even putting the racist stuff. He was a bad person. He was a bad person. I want to – um, yeah, just reminded people, it was Mr. Rogers that you loved in your childhood and nobody else that you could feel that way about safely. Yes, yes, yes. Horton Hears a Who, this is just an awesome movie. It's funny, it's colorful, it's bright, it's well-made. Jim Carrey does a decent job in the voice work. Uh, Steve Carell is really good in it. Amy Poehler is really good in it. That's the thing. You listen to the voice cast, it's Jim Carrey, Steve Carell, Amy Poehler, um, Jamie Presley, Carol Burnett. Yeah. But genuinely funny people. And yes, I put, it's bizarre to me that I put Presley in that list, but I love my name is Earl. So yeah, she made that list. I think it's funny by the way, she's one of those actresses. Her career was struggling until people realized, Oh, she's really good at comedy. Mm-hmm. And then it kicked off. That's what she's good at. And so, yeah. So good stuff there. Um, I, d- I dug this movie. I-, I know it's not cool to say that Blue Sky did something right, but they did. This is a good movie. I, I really like this movie. Well, hey, um, they also did the Peanuts movie, right? So there you go. Yeah. I think their skill is adaptation. I think they are best at doing other people's styles and just doing love letters to them. Um, we're going to jump on to March because March has some mo- We're going to jump on to March 21st. That brings us Meet the Browns from Tyler Perry. I don't want to spend any more time on a Tyler Perry movie than I have to. Yeah, he's 
he's actually doing a, uh, I, I don't know if that's a non-Medea movie, uh, but he's actually doing a non-Medea movie soon. Yeah, with, uh, uh, uh Tiffany Haddish is one of the people in it. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I doubt I'll see it. Um, yeah. But good for him for trying. Yeah. I, I I like him as an actor. I think he's a wonderful comedic actor. I think he's an awesome comedic actor. No, I don't. Yes, Lola. Lola, I think it's cute that you want to chime in. <laughs> she actually saying so many words. Yeah, she she actually like the cadence there sounds like oh I'm, she's giving an opinion. <laughs> oh, sweet girl. Oh, daddy loves you. Um, you also had Drillbit Taylor, which is a very sad footnote. Drillbit Taylor, I'm going to look this up to be sure, but, uh, Drillbit Taylor was, uh, first of all, why did we ever make Owen Wilson, uh, a, a thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why did we ever make him a thing? He's just not a charming actor. I, I don't like him as an actor. I think he is okay. But, like, he was never a movie star. He's always just this very drifty presence. Wes Anderson is the only person that ever figured out what to do with him. Yeah, I kind of agree on that. And, and, that's, and that makes sense because they were writing partners for so long. Drobit Taylor, unfortunately, was the final screenplay by uh, – and it was heavily rewritten, to be clear. By The story was by the late John Hughes. Oh, that is the last film that he had his writing on. And it was as uh, Edmund Dante's. Yeah. By, by yeah. all accounts, John Hughes was a very, a very decent person. He was a he was a good guy. And look, I don't like his movies as much as a lot of people. I think Planes, Trains and Automobiles and Home Alone are the only truly great films that he worked on. I think The Breakfast Club comes close but I can't forgive his stereotyping in the rest of his movies. But I do respect John Hughes. I do respect him. And oh, and Vacation. Oh my God, I've got. Wait, <laughs> wait I can't think of it. Didn't he write? I'm gonna check this. I may be, I may be throwing a lot of talent, good movies out because I know he wrote Vacation, and I think, I think he wrote, I think he wrote, uh, I think he wrote Christmas Vacation. Um, now he did. Incidentally, he. Uh, yeah, let's see. I'm going to go through and see. And, you know, Miracle on 34th Street is fine, but... Oh, was he not... that? He wrote the script. It was his script. Okay. Um, let's see. Did he write... Did he write Christmas Vacation? Do I get to give him Christmas Vacation? John Hughes, good good news. You get, you get credit for Christmas Vacation and uh -huh. European Vacation at that. Nice. You know, actually, he wrote all of them but Vegas and the remakes, so... And obviously, yeah. he didn't write the remake, because... Well, yeah, maybe it's after he... Dad. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the vacation films, Home Alone, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles... Look, uh, his Edmund Dante stuff is pretty sad. Um, he did it as... He did it under a pseudonym. Um, let's face it, by the time he was down to Baby's Day Out, Dennis the Menace, Home Alone 2, Curly Sue... Um, God, I'm looking at his later career as a writer movies. Um, and Jesus, this man, this man where he went as a writer, it got sad, man. It got sad. So there's that. Uh, but, but we've spent way too long on John Hughes because we got some other movies to cover. 
You also had Shudder, another one of those GD horror movies based on European, uh, on Japanese movies. Just stop. Let's jump forward. Let's jump forward, though. We got to get to March 28th, and we're getting to one of the biggies of this cast. Shall we talk about 21? 21. I just saw that recently. Is it not the most so what movie you've ever seen? <laughs> yeah, it was. It was okay. It was. It was worth a watch. Like it was, it's fine. Yeah, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Really, like, it, it is. Was, I had a chance to see it in theater uh, because uh, what happened was that day, um, the day I saw it, I saw I had already seen the double feature. Like I saw Speed Racer. Uh, and then I went to my first drive-in experience and saw Iron Man. So you saw two movies where your mind was pretty much just like, I can't take anymore. Exactly. Like two action-packed, yeah. Um, Classics. Classics. Let's call them what they are. Classics. And uh, I didn't know, like I went to the twin drive-in in Independence, and I didn't know that they played double features. Like that's what they did. One one ticket got you a double feature. That's what that's what that's what drive-ins do usually. Yeah, and I didn't know that. But the other movie started, and I was just like, "What is it? Twenty one? Eh." Nah. <laughs> it, it's funny that you left at the beginning. It actually the power went out at the theater, and they wouldn't restart it for us. Oh. And it was like five minutes before the end. Mm-hmm. It, we drove over to a friend's house and watched the last five minutes there. Right. I didn't give a shit if I ever saw the last five minutes of that movie. I make a joke about this movie. I constantly joke that this is the most generic movie I've ever seen in my entire life. It's because it is. You could literally watch you, – you've seen this movie a billion times over. There isn't a single twist in the movie you won't see coming. Yeah. There isn't a single beat you won't see coming. Nothing about this movie is unpredictable. The leads are as boring of human beings as you've ever watched in a movie. My God, this movie is nothing. There's nothing here. Oh, Kevin Spacey and Lawrence Fishburne are in it. Well, first of all, I don't want to watch anything Kevin Spacey has done (laughs) ever again. But secondly, I I can watch Lawrence Fishburne in any number. He was just an Ant-Man and the Wasp and he was great. Yeah. 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 I, uh, no. I love seeing Lawrence Fishburne and things. Hey, it's like, hey, look, it's Morpheus. Awesome. Hey, he's going to be in, he's going to be in John Wick three. So, Hey, how about that? And he was in John Wick two, too. When his cameo came, Amanda lost her mind. <laughs> Side note. Can we just talk about how great? No, we can't. We're getting, we're getting off topic, but you won't. We all know the John Wick movies are the best action movies ever made, right? I, I'm willing to say that. I think that they might be my favorite action movies of all time. And anyway. Not, that's not just plugging a uh, friend of the show, uh, nope. Elizabeth Rawls. <laughs> no, no. We're, 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 they're the and, John Wick movies. And they are the reason solely, like the crew for that was solely the reason why uh, Deadpool 2 was so good. Well, well, them and Ryan Reynolds getting a writing credit. <laughs> yeah. And just everybody trying more this time. Uh, God, Deadpool 2 was so much better than the first one. But you see, I want to be talking about those because I don't give a shit about this movie. That's why I bring it up as a joke. It's because who gives a damn that this movie existed? This is a, It's not even a bad movie. It's a their movie. So next. And next is um, we're going to talk briefly about Chapter 21, 
Okay, Jared Leto destroyed his body to make this movie. He got super fat for it, at least by Hollywood standards. He probably looked like a normal guy by real standards. Yeah. <laughs> um, got incredible. He put on a ton of weight. I mean, when I'm telling you he got fat, I mean he got fat. Wrecked his body for this movie, and what did it earn them? A whopping fifty-six thousand dollars at the box office. Ooh. Yikes. Why do I hate Jared Leto? This, this, you know, try acting. You know, and furthermore, if you're too thin to play a part like this, maybe consider you're not the right actor for this part. Just going to throw it out. If you have to destroy your body, you know, and I'm not talking about like the uh, Christian Bale, I can go up and down, though he just recently put on a ton of weight to play Dick Cheney, so he's not immune to this. Yes. It's pathetic looking too, uh, but just just don't just maybe consider that you're not the actor to play these parts. Hold up, for what movie? Uh, it's now that one's probably, in all fairness, that's going to be for Adam McKay's movie about uh, Dick Cheney. That's probably going to be a really important movie. I can't be too, I can't be too mad at him. That's going to probably be a really important movie. I think that's probably. Uh, going to be something very serious and important, so I can't laugh at him too much for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, famously, they actually had to tell him to tone the muscle down on Batman. Hmm. He was too muscular to play Batman. Wow. He was too muscular to play Batman. So I'm just gonna, let's just let's move on to some actual movies. Chapter twenty one is hilarious. Uh, you have the David Schwimmer directed. It's funny that Friends is on in the background. <laughs> yeah, the David Schwimmer directed Run Fat Boy Run, which oh, did not I, actually star a fat actor. I did not know that that was him. And that was David Schwimmer directing. I know Let's that face was Simon it. Pegg. Let's face it, this is why Pegg never worked as a leading actor in America. He just never really found the right outside of Edgar Wright parts. I think he were, I, no, I think he's done great as a character actor, and I think he's done great as an ensemble actor. He's amazing in the Star Trek films. He's got the Mission Impossible movies going for him. Yeah. And I liked, uh, I did like, um, um, what is it? I, it, it's a movie I acquired in, uh, the, like the blockbuster liquidation. Oh, geez. How to, how to lose friends and aliens. Yeah. People. I've heard that one was really good. I heard that one yeah, was really yeah. good. I need to see that one. Um, it's fun. I love the cast on it. I love the cast on it. Oh, it's a great um, cast. I didn't see this one. Uh, I didn't see stop loss either, but it's got a really nice reputation and I give MTV credit for funding. Uh, Kimberly Pierce directed it. MTV nine years after boys don't cry. MTV was actually the one to get her follow up funded. That's cool. That's cool. I, I'm, I'm about that. You have Superhero Movie, which was an attempt at doing a superhero parody, you know, a la Scary Movie. I don't want to talk about these movies. I don't want to talk about these movies. Let's let's just leave let's just leave March behind because we've got some stuff to get into in April. Oh my god, do we have some stuff to get into in April? Leatherheads. Leatherheads, the April 4th movie, aka the movie that I think shows why George Clooney's career as a director cratered. I have a theory about George Clooney's career as a director, which is it went downhill the minute that he started giving his lead roles to himself. Now, you wouldn't think this would be the case, 
Clooney is a brilliant actor. He is a brilliant director, uh, as Good Night and Good Luck uh, proved back in 2005. Uh, and Confessions of a Dangerous Mind is an all-timer. I think he, I think with this movie, he got enamored of himself. He got enamored of making himself look good. No, no, this one just didn't happen. This one. I also want to ask you this: Why in the ever-loving hell did you release a movie about football in April? <laughs> yeah, quick when the season's over. Theory. Quick theory about this movie: If this movie had come out in October, I think you would have seen the box office double. I think you could have easily seen the box office double if you had just released it at the right goddamn time. What the hell? Um, the only other thing that I want to say about this movie is this is a fun bit of trivia in that um, John Krasinski had to wear a uh, wig for uh, a good portion of the uh, season of The Office directly before uh, season three, season three, because he he was shooting this movie and he had a short haircut. Um, he eventually does at the end of the season uh, get a haircut. Um, I, you know, I, I love Krasinski and I feel like, I feel like Hollywood gave him a really long, frustrating time for a long time. Um, with the exception of the lovely away we go, which God, I love that movie so much. I, I really do. I want, I hope, I hope we wind up doing casts like this for next year so that I can talk about movies like that. Um, I want to talk about two other movies real quick, just as I'm flinging through these, but as I said, I didn't see Leatherheads. I will. I did see some of his later movies. The Ides of March is good, but it's good because you couldn't make a bad movie with that cast, and it's a good script. But I Clooney's days as a director have gotten pretty pathetic. Um, I heard Suburbicon was a nightmare. So, anyway, gonna shoot through this. Gonna shoot through this. Um, you also had uh, Nim's Island with um, Abigail Breslin and um, Jodie Foster. A quick moment of sadness that I don't feel like it's coming together for Breslin as an adult. And I'm yeah. fascinated by that, how child actors, sometimes it just doesn't work. I don't yeah. think it's that she's become a bad actress. I think it's that what she was good at as a child was special and it's not so much anymore. And also Hollywood is notoriously luxist. Um, I also think some actors, when they hit a, when they, hit adulthood the talent just isn't there um i would l i feel like i'm being mean on this cast but i'd love to know what the ever-loving hell happened with chloe grace moretz i feel like she was such a good actress as a in her youth and she's amazing in hugo and puff of smoke and i and i and i, and I feel like here's i think the problem that hollywood has is she's a pretty girl and she's getting pretty girl parts. I'm willing to bet when she finds a director that knows what the hell to do with her, we'll start to find out that that talent wasn't all that gone. I just right now, I think she's having a bad run of things. And I hate that because um, I love Let Me In so much. Speaking of Matt Reeves uh, earlier this cast. Um, do you want to quickly note that this day also brings us The Ruins, a horror movie from the writer of A Simple Plan. I didn't see it. It's about killer plants. I didn't see it. It also brings us the documentary Shine a Light about the Rolling Stones, directed by Martin Scorsese. I do remember I didn't that see, one. I didn't see it either. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I love Scorsese. I wasn't going to waste my time on a documentary about people I don't like. Um, you don't like the Rolling Stones? 
don't like the Rolling Stones. I think they're pretty overrated. Okay. I, I just do. I just I think I think they have I think they have an album's worth of, of hits. Yeah. And nothing more. That's that's how I feel about them. And I think and I think they're also some of the most notorious scumbags that were working in the movie industry or in the music industries. Um, I quickly want to note that on April 8th, the Day of the Dead remake came out and cost 18 million and went direct to video. Hmm. There's a number. There's a number. Um, let's see. Um, April 11th brings us. Are, are you noticing how bland so many of these movies that I'm bringing up are, by the way? Yeah. Like, there's some real blandness to this stuff. Um, but that's good because we've got some really great movies. We've, we've actually got two really awesome movies we're about to cover. So let's get through some of the blandness. Prom Night, the remake of Prom Night came out this day. Nope, didn't see it. I don't. I don't like horror. Why was I going to watch horror remakes? Yeah, Why was I going to watch bad horror? This one. What'd you say? I don't remember this one. I think Idris, I think this was one of the ones that Idris Elba was doing. I'm going to look it up. I think this is one of the ones that Idris Elba was doing when it was like, look, Hollywood just did not. There's going to come a point where we're going to look at the movies that Idris Elba made. And it's going to amaze us how bad the. That was the end. That was the year that uh, the wire of uh, the last um, season of the wire. And well, he was dead by that point. His character. Spoiler yeah. alert, his character dies in season three. Uh, mm-hmm. But, but yeah, this this would have been... Yeah, he's in this. He's the de- he's a detective in it. Yeah, it would have been pretty fresh off of uh, his stint. So, yeah, yeah. You, you could have done something better. On the other hand, the year before, he did have a Tyler Perry movie. Ugh. He was in a Ridley Scott movie the year before, though. That was kind of nice. He was in American Gangster. Oh uh, well, yeah, which is which and, is great, and that's that's you know I'm notorious as a Ridley Scott hater, and that's what I like. That's what I really like. Um, this day also brings us um, smart people uh, with Dennis Quaid, uh, Thomas Hayden Church, and Alan Page. I didn't see it. Um, no, just wasn't interested. I looked boring. Um, Street Kings from David Ayer, which no, I didn't see that. I one my kind of film the visitor which is notable as the movie that kind of uh, got uh, richard jenkins out of his character actor niche so yeah some good stuff there but that's fine because we're going to jump ahead to april 18th which okay there was a uh, where in the world is osama bin laden from morgan spurlock oh, blah, yeah. blah 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 let's talk that there was the forbidden kingdom which was Oh, it was hyped as the Jackie Chan Chow Yun Fat movie, but I was, actually, I was just trying. That's funny because I was just trying to remember Morgan Spurlock's name like earlier yeah, today. Forget that guy. I don't. I don't want to waste any more time on him. You also had. Um, you also had. Uh, what was it? Um, yeah, the the Forbidden Kingdom, which oh, it was the movie where Jackie Chan and Chow Yun Fat team up to provide support for a white dude. Uh... Don't care. Yikes. 88 minutes, the nadir of uh, this is where we're really starting to see that uh, Al Pacino was losing it. Al Pacino's days, the, the patheticness that his that his career has reached at the end of it is sad. But anyway, we've gotten through a, a lot of direct. Oh, there's Expelled. We could talk about Expelled, the Ben Stein documentary that's notorious. Oh, Jesus. Jesus but let's Christ. not, because I'm really happy to say that the next two weeks that are going to close out this cast 
are, thank God, going to end on two awesome movies. Let's talk about Forgetting Sarah Marshall, shall Mm. we? Yes. I have noted that I find Knocked Up to be aging pretty poorly. Yeah. Because of its uncomfortable sexual politics. And that I do think the 40-year-old virgin has some stuff that's iffy. I unabashedly love Forgetting Sarah Marshall because it is a movie about uncomfortable things. Forgetting Sarah Marshall is a much more honest, much more raw, genuine movie. And it is one of my comfort food movies. I, I Look, I'm going to be going into rave mode here. This is easily – I don't – I don't think it's the best movie that we've covered on this cast. I think that one's back behind us on January 18th. I think, like, now with more, like, because that was 2008. My first yeah. uh, relationship, actual, like, was um, my first and only one, really. Yeah. Uh, was in 2010. I'm oh, sorry, we, man. We both know about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, the trivia for this cast. Yeah. I'm not sure if the story we were told in the cast, but we've we have we have we have we were mutual people know, but but anyway, and she was behind me three years at this point too, so yeah, 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 that's right, yeah, um, that's a story I love telling people by the way, just just with the one sentence, it's like we have a mutual ex, <laughs> yeah, um, not as salacious as it sounds, but anyway, so um, so what was I? oh yeah, so that was two years before. I mm-hmm. had any real experience with that, and since, like, I've had, like, in the eight years since, I've had a lot of heartbreak, so it'll, it would be interesting for me to revisit, I think. It is as honest a film about heartbreak as I've ever seen. It is, and it is also as honest a film I've ever seen about when someone won't grow up. This movie, I want to make this clear, this movie does not let Jason Siegel off the hook. If you watch this movie and that's what you take away from it, that it lets him off the hook. No, no, I don't agree. I feel like this movie holds his feet to the fire and says, you need to grow up. You need to be an adult. You need to be a man. And of course it's Siegel's script. Uh, we can't forget that this was a Jason Siegel script. And, and we have to, we have to clarify his character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I yeah. think Siegel tells us that he understands what this movie is about. Oh yeah, with how he writes this, with 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 what he's written here, this is a movie about someone who needs to be called out, who needs to grow up, and who does something that people really do, which is they go and they take a trip to try and clear their heads. He goes and he takes this journey. He goes to Hawaii. Um. And what's so fascinating, and of course he runs into his ex-girlfriend. We know that that's the plot. What I love about this movie is that at every possible moment, the most honest choices are made. Um, We see this character struggling. We see him hurting. We also see that the people around him are just sick of it. They're sick of him moping, and that is real. Bill Hader is only in this movie for maybe eight minutes at the most. And he looms over it. He leaves an impact. Um, He's so good at it. Every actor in it is good. I love how the movie handles the ex-girlfriend's new boyfriend, played by Russell Brand. Yeah. I love how the movie handles the new boyfriend and makes him just the nicest guy in the world. 
you you love you love uh Aldis Snow. He's such a sweet guy. Russell Brand never cracked it in America, to be honest. And I get why. Partially because he kind of doesn't seem like the best of people, to be blunt. But he's so good here. He's so good here. He's wonderful. And, and you love this guy. And I really like Kristen Bell's work here. I, I think – I don't think we get enough, give her enough credit for how much work she does in this movie. I know she's a really well-liked actress, and I'm totally on board with that. She is so lovely in this film and so understandable and real. And yes, we find out that she cheated on him. The movie does something interesting when it reveals that she cheated on him. It takes her side. Mm. I don't think people notice this. The movie takes her side explicitly. The movie says, come on, he spends all day in his underwear. She was right to be looking at someone else. That's how this works. Hmm. She's great in this. Um, and then there's the performance that I think really kind of sets the movie alight. <sighs> and it's the performance that provides a capper to the most read entry on my blog. Fun fact. Hmm. Fun fact. The most in read entry on my blog is a includes a lengthy reference to this performance. Let's talk about Mila Kunis in this movie because... God damn. She is one of I, my favorite actresses ever. <laughs> I am, I, as I said, I wrote an entire entry about celebrity crushes, and I didn't identify the person in the entry. <laughs> but if you're listening to this cast, there you go. There's your keyhole. That's who it was about. Not that that was ever a well-kept secret. I, uh, her performance in this movie is, it's something. Um... And I'm fascinated by the fact that before this movie, Hollywood did not have her figured out. Um, yeah. She did a lot of direct-to-video junk. Uh, you know, when you're doing American Psycho 2, Hollywood yeah. does not know who you are. Yeah. Hollywood did not have her cracked, even in the least. Not even in the least did they have her cracked. Um, and I, this is the movie where they did. This is the movie where... It was like, okay, we get it now. She is so lovely in this film. First of all, she is actually shot really. Boy, the camera. The camera was quite fond of her in this movie. Yeah. But more than that, she is shot so just with such love. There is so much. There's just so much decency. She just gives such a wonderful performance as someone who. She's been through some crap. She's been hurt. And she's honest about it. And she's lived with it. And she's tired of it. But she knows it. It is an honest performance. It is a mature performance. It is an adult performance in a way that you sometimes don't get in movies like this. Because think about it. How many times have you seen a movie like this where the love interest only exists to be a subset to the man? Yeah. Where all they're doing is, I'm here to support you and be there for the man. Yeah, and she doesn't much, do that. Pretty much every movie ever. <laughs> this is what Joe Daptow's movies are worst at. Yeah. And she actually gets to really give a performance where it's like, she's just, she's in her own movie. She's in a movie about someone who is going through her own story. 
And we just kind of get to see these stories intersect. I think she's, I think she's great in this. Again, my one complaint about the movie, the scene where he kind of has a really negative reaction to his ex when they're trying to sleep together again and it doesn't work. That scene is a little too ugly and a little too mean, but I also think that maybe that's honest. Maybe isn't that how it is that we sometimes over vilify our exes to make the breakup not hurt. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that's an honest thing that the movie does. It's not pretty. And that's the thing. Nothing this movie is depicting is pretty. Why should it be? But it's it's a wonderful movie. I, I love this movie. I, I really do. It's a comfort food movie for me. And now we're going to go to the end of the cast. We have two movies. We have two, I think, three movies that came out. I'll, let's refer to this as the moment before. I know this wasn't actually the weekend before because there was one more weekend. And then we got Iron Man. T- no, no, no. Now that I think about it, this was the weekend before Iron Man 2 because Iron Man 2 was May 2nd. Uh, let me. I want to be sure of that, but I'm pretty sure Iron Man 2 was May 2nd. Yeah, I'm. Or Iron sure. Man was. I, yeah, Iron Man. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure of that also. Yeah, Iron Man was May 2nd, 2018. So let's be clear. This is the weekend just before the Marvel Cinematic Universe. These are the movies that were in theaters. That's crazy, by the way, to think that we are one week, that at this point in the cast, we are one weekend away from cinema as we know it changing. Yes. Not exaggerating. The entire business model of film was about to be gutted. Uh, you had three movies in theaters this weekend. Uh, you had um, The Baby Mama with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. Oh, yeah. Can I just submit that those two have never worked on screen the way they worked on television? Yeah. I, I love them. I don't think they've ever worked on screen together, right? I don't think they've ever made it connect, right? I think – and I think that's because – and I don't think Polar has ever worked on the big screen. I think she's been great in supporting roles. I don't think she's ever found a lead vehicle that worked for her. I don't think Tina Fey has ever found a lead vehicle that's worked for her. I think they are TV talents. And that's fine. Yeah, that, that could but, be, yeah. But I wish Hollywood, because I can't really think of a movie that one or the other has done. I like Faye in Date Night, but that's it. I can't think of another movie. Um, and I don't think I can think of a movie that Polar has done. I, I especially am going to throw this thing out there, and I hate to say this. I don't think Polar has ever shown me that she's got the dramatic range for a big screen, to be blunt. Yeah. She's good in her niche she's good in her range but i don't i don't know i just i don't think it works for them um let's boy this was a t- bad time for uh, ewan mcgregor because deception came out this weekend uh nope no one remembers that movie no this is a I movie with ewan, ewan mcgregor hugh jackman and michelle williams disappeared off the face of the planet and now we come to our last movie in this uh, first third of 2008 and I am so happy that it's Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Ah. I am so happy the last thing we get to talk about is Harold and Kumar. I know comedy sequels are never good. I know that that's also not true. 21 Jump Street, 
uh, spawned a successful sequel. I don't think Anchorman 2 is that bad. But I love all three Harold and Kumar movies about equally. I love them. I just love these guys. I just love Harold and Kumar. I just think they're good guys. I just like watching them. John Cho and uh, Cal Penn are funny guys. They're likable guys. I think the first movie is so much better than it had any right to be. I don't think the first movie had any right to be even watchable, really. And it's great. And it's great because these are movies. Here's the thing. These are movies that are barbed in their satire. Yeah. These are angry movies. These are movies that look at America and go, what the hell? (laughs) They're furious. And that's what this movie is. I feel like this movie is furious at America in 2008. This movie is looking at the state of American racism and going, nope, not good. Yeah. This is an angry movie, as is the first one. I think the third one is a lot more mellow. Have you seen this one? Which one is it? The Harold and Kumar, the second no, one. I haven't seen any of them yet. I'm still okay. Tr- I'm still actively trying them. to find them. They're uh, wonderful. I may uh, have to rent. <laughs> of course, this is where Neil Patrick Harris makes made his big back on the scene thing. Oh, oh shit! I wonder. Um, I, I was just uh, saying, like, I have a free trial to Amazon Prime. I wonder if they have it on their service. Hmm. I wonder. But yes, um, continue. Yes. I, this is, of course, the movie where Neil Patrick Harris made his comeback as a notorious tail hound. You know, the ultra macho, ultra heterosexual, disgusting guy. Ha, 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 ha. Let's, let's all be clear. When the first movie was written in 2004, it wasn't at least public. I'm sure it was known within the industry. I don't think, I don't think Harris ever tried to keep it secret that he was gay. But the fact, and, and the third movie, by the way, then goes down and acknowledges that he's come out and has fun with the idea that that's just a cover for him to, to uh, uh, hit on women. Right down to bringing in his husband and revealing that they're in a, a sham marriage. It's glorious. I, I love these movies. I, and that's the thing. It seems fitting that we, that we began this movie this year with one really great original film, and we're ending it with a really great franchise. When we get to the last third of this year, there's going to be some weirdness. And, uh, I just want to really stress, I really think that it was an int- that this was a weird third of the year. I think it was a mixed third. I think it was a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Also, would you would you recommend um like I, I, I have to rent them, I can't like they're not but would you recommend the unrated or rated versions of uh, Rated versions. Rated, rated versions. versions. Okay. I've only seen theatrical cuts because I saw all three in theaters. Okay, yeah. I recommend here's my rule. I do not recommend the unrated cuts of any movies. I except for Batman Beyond Return of the Joker because I know what happened there. Uh, I do not yeah. recommend the uh, I do not recommend the unrated cuts of any movie ever. Okay. I don't. And totally I'll tell you not. why I don't recommend uh, this is a good subnote. I don't recommend the unrated cuts because they always have stuff put in that was supposed to have been cut out. Right. Just for the 
just for selling uh, yeah just for the lulls Um, there's a movie that we're going to come to in the next third that they actually that that they actually sabotaged the unrated cut (laughs) I can't wait to talk about that so you have a good mixed bag of movies here you have a lot of bad but I think the good does shine and I think we're going to get it and I think that we see you've had a quarter where it was a lot of bad but some good then you've had a third where it was a lot of bad or a lot of good but some bad and i don't know we'll go on so tell them find us at filmroom.org see you later there y'all so in the beginning there was a hum from a poet whose balls fell down Rejoice